Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Full Stack Journey podcast. Thanks for listening. My goal today, as always, is to equip listeners to start or continue their journey to being a full stack engineer. What is a full stack engineer, you ask? Great question. I define a full stack engineer as someone who's capable of working across multiple silos and moving among multiple layers of the modern data center stack. Joining me today to talk about his own journey toward becoming a full stack engineer and to share some things that he has learned along the way is Bart Smith. Bart, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Hello. Nice uh, to have you me on the show. So my name is uh, Bart Smith. I'm based out of Amsterdam in Holland. Um, I've been uh, with Microsoft Technologies for some more than 20 years, been a Microsoft trainer for many years, and I've trained many people and worked in enterprises deploying uh, Windows technology, and last year, or actually beginning of this year, I stopped that all. I quit with Microsoft, and um, I'm retraining myself into the new era. The new era, that's awesome. So you're focusing now on, uh, what, uh, open source stuff? I would call it cloud native. Okay. That's the term I coined these days. Yeah, that seems to be a term that a lot of people like to use. So we'll we'll dig into that a little bit more. Um, Bart, are there any sort of online resources that you'd like to point our listeners to where you might be sharing content uh, other than here on the podcast? Yes, there's uh, two things. I When I attend sessions, uh, meetups, I'm recording them usually so I can review them. And I put that on a YouTube channel you can find on the the smart bit that's one word the and then connected to smart bit so bart smith becomes smart bit and well so the smart bit and the other one is uh, smart bit uh, at the gdpr uh, all right it's a GDP account oh, okay get up account great awesome thanks yeah. bart and we'll uh listeners if you didn't catch quite that we'll put that in the show notes and so you'll have that available to review after listening to the podcast or while listening to the podcast, whichever works best for you. Um, awesome. So, Bart, um, so it sounds like a pretty big change that you've made there from going to being a, a Microsoft-centric uh, sort of engineer who, who might be working at multiple levels of the stack there on the Microsoft stack over to this cloud-native stack. If you don't mind me asking, what, what sort of drove you to making that change? And, and, and yeah. wh- how, why was why that something important that maybe the listeners should also consider? Well, for me, it was some one really distinct uh, happening, and that was when Microsoft announced in 2014, June 2014, when they announced that, that they would support Kubernetes on their Azure platform. That meant they were going to su- support their two major competitors. One, Google, who is uh, the creator of Kubernetes, and secondly, Linux, because uh, Kubernetes supports Docker running containers, and that was for me a wake up call like okay this is over microsoft is end ending here and uh, the world is changing and i have to i can i have two choices i can uh, continue with microsoft until my pension and will be the first one to turn on the lights some 20 years ago and the last one to turn it off or uh, switch over to the new technologies and go with it go with it uh, that that was that was my wake up call that's that's very interesting. I, I can I can relate to that. I was a I was a heavy duty Microsoft person myself back in the '90s. Microsoft certified trainer, just like you, and teaching the the Microsoft official curriculum and and all of that, and uh, made a change myself. Of course, my change was over into the the VMware space at the time, not into uh, cloud native technologies, but a similar sort of similar sort of shift. So I completely understand that. So yeah, I, 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 I can relate to, to VMware. I sort of missed VMware because. Someone told me it's so easy; you don't need to have any knowledge on that. Well, that of course changed, and VMware is a really was a really interesting product. Uh, maybe it still is. So I wish I'd done that too, or, or both of them. I, I I remained with Microsoft, so I gave Hyper V courses for many years. Yeah, yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, Microsoft is still doing well. There's still lots of machines out there running Windows and Windows Server. That's for sure. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, you kind of heard me tell a little bit about, you know, what my view of the full stack engineer is. I was wondering if you would be willing just to share with listeners kind of what, what comes to your mind when we talk about the full stack engineer and especially in a, in a cloud native sense. Well, in cloud native sense, you, you there are three terms. One is compute. Uh, the other is uh, storage and the third one is network. So, and, 
I think a cloud native, uh, I think a, a full stack engineer should understand all three of them. Whether you work on premise, you build your own, uh, complete, uh, hardware infrastructure, or whether you go on to, uh, uh, AWS or whatever, you still have to understand what's going on there, what a uh, number of CPUs means or how the storage is, uh, set up, uh, speed. For example, last week I heard someone say, okay, we can use S3 now for storing this logging because now they have 10 gig interfaces from their compute machines uh, at AWS uh, directly into a, into S3. And now suddenly the speed is, is, is big enough. There is no, no, not a, no small latency anymore, no hard latency anymore. So, um, those kind of things, are, I think, the role within a uh, development team, which which are still needed, developers usually don't un- understand these things, and there you need to bring in this knowledge and, and in, into a DevOps team. Okay, so that, that's really good. So there, there are a couple of things that really stood out to me right there, Barton. I'm going I'm to call them out if I, if I can, just to make sure I understand them. First of all, I think that you and I are in, in complete agreement that a full-stack engineer needs needs to be not just silo-specific. So they need to be somebody who knows something about networking, something about compute, something about storage. Um, and uh, and so uh, would you would you agree with that? I mean, we need to be if you're on your way to being what we're what we're calling the full stack engineer, and you are currently a single silo person, you know, you are somebody who specializes in only one of those areas. Then one of the first steps for you would be kind of breaking out of one of those areas and starting to learn and become more proficient in one of the areas. Would you agree with that? Yes, I, I think so. It's it's difficult to. Uh, yeah, if if you're only now networking, then you might want to have some uh, enhance your skills into a cloud uh, technologies mm-hmm. and provision switches and routers. But then, of course, you would have to also go into compute and storage. Right, uh, right, and that kind of leads to the second thing that I heard you call out. I heard you call out specifically that this person needs to be not only familiar with on-premises stuff, so stuff that's going on inside your own data center, but also off-premises stuff. So using AWS or GCE or Azure. Um, yes. And, and so I, you know, I think that it's, it sounds like, Hey, if, if I am listening to this podcast and I'm a, a networking person, you know, um, if I want to make that transition to being able to do both on-premises and off-premises, then in order to do off-premises, I kind of first have to get into the whole compute side of the house at least. Right. Yeah. And then I can begin to, to transition from there. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Now I'll come back to that later uh, in, in my in my story. Yeah, yeah, that that would be awesome. I think that's a real key uh, piece to to talk about. The second thing that I heard you mention was um, sort of like placing this in the context of a, of a development team or, or or a DevOps team. Do you think yes. that full stack engineers are really only needed sort of inside the context of development, or is this a um, uh, a task that someone could pursue even if they're not directly involved in development. No, no. If you, if you don't develop yourself, find yourself another job. We will go into an immutable infrastructure. That means the, if you, well, if the, if the whole data center goes down, you can reboot it by, with using only code. Right. Everything should be coded. Never click anything. Never. And if you don't want to do write code to to start up your your network, your storage, your compute, and then your application on top of that, then well, find yourself another job. But th- th- <laughs> there is no there is no place for you in 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 the in the in the, in the future of, uh, of computing or IT. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That's that's a that's a really strong viewpoint to take. I don't necessarily disagree. Um, but I'm glad to hear you say that. Let me um, let me reword my question a little bit. Um, if you are not working in a software engineering function, do you believe that doing the sort of things that we're describing here is still valuable? And I think you'll say yes. But what are your thoughts? Like if I'm if I if I'm working in IT department and and I'm not directly involved in a software engineering function, like maybe my company has some software developers, but I'm not directly devol- involved in that software development effort. Yeah. It's still something that I like this, this idea of infrastructure as code and this idea of doing development on my own is still something that, that you think is valuable. Yes. Uh, so yes, I think it's really important that people learn to write their code, their infrastructure. Uh, but maybe you can rephrase the question. I, I, 
don't understand. <laughs> no, I, I think I think you've answered the question. Yeah, uh, my my point was just that there may be people out there listening to the podcast, and they are they they don't have any direct involvement in 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 uh, software engineering. The company they work for doesn't produce yes. software. Maybe it's a yes. a tire company, right? Um, and they, and they, and, and, and this company just has a, has a manufacturing line and they just support the IT technology that runs that manufacturing line. Some people have taken to saying that this idea of being a full stack engineer or, or just similar other terms that have been tossed around is really only beneficial when you as an individual are directly involved in a software engineering effort. In other words, you're working for a company that produces software. And what I'm trying to find out is, do you think that that's accurate or do you think this idea of a full stack engineer is is applicable to any IT person in any industry? I I think it is applicable to to okay. any software uh, engineering position. Yes. Okay. Uh, be, because because of the costs related and because of the new technology you will be using, uh, the, the persons who do only, uh, you know, there are these companies where they have a, a, a ta- all these tables, uh, you know, this big room, and that, that's the, that's networking table. And then you walk to one of these people. No, no, I don't know anything about it. I just apply the fixes which have been approved by other people, and they code them into a certain switch. Mm-hmm. That position will not be won't be there anymore in in in, in the near future. Gotcha. Uh, someone will rewrite the code, and that will apply that to that switch or router or whatever. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. Absolutely. All right. And I'm in complete agreement, by the way. So you you told us that you kind of, you know, made this huge shift from a Microsoft centric viewpoint to a cloud native viewpoint. Could you expand on that a little bit and tell us some of the specific sort of technologies and open source projects you decided to pursue as part of this, this, uh, this journey? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, First of all, um, I think the really important is to understand microservices because I think that that's where all is around. Microservices, I'm not going to detail much on them, um, but that that's if you want to deploy microservices in the end, scalable software which scales out onto one into one data center to multiple data centers really quickly, uh, services that start within a few uh, hundred milliseconds. When there is need to, and and they're killed uh, just as fast, uh, I, I can highly recommend uh, the uh, book uh, "Building Microservices" by Sam Newman. He gives a really thorough introduction into into this technology. I think that that will be a good basis to to start with, and and from there on, well. You will have to build your own vision on where to go. I what I did, I I attended meetups, a lot of meetups. I went everywhere. I went to uh, sessions of vendors. I went to conferences. Um, I, I every evening I had a meetup. I'm I'm lucky to live in a in a startup town uh, where, where there's many many meetups. Every night there's like five or ten uh, Thursday and, and and Wednesday, Tuesdays. Um, if you're not able to do that, uh, maybe you could watch YouTube videos. Uh, that that's things what I what I did. And it sounds uh, like you've you've taken the time too to take to a lot of the meetups that you attended and put them on YouTube so that other people could could benefit as well. Yeah, and and uh, I could benefit myself because uh, if something is completely new, you don't understand anything of it, then you want to go through the topic again because it's all new or many things could be rather new. And then if I just, you know, you follow a session, you don't understand uh, a lot of it, you want to go through it again and, and listen and maybe look up some things at home. That that was the initial reason why I started recording. And then I thought, well, not, why not put them online? Then others can, can benefit from that too. Right, right. Absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned, uh, you know, if, if somebody's interested in kind of making the, the transition into being a cloud native, um, you know, full stack focused type person, um, yes. microservices is kind of the the thing they should be focusing on. Um, and, and, and certainly microservices is getting a lot of attention. Would you mind just sort of um, maybe, maybe diving in just a bit to some of the key technologies that you think make up a microservices architecture? You know, is it, I, I would imagine one of those obviously is going to be Docker. Yes, indeed. That, right. That's, that's on my list. As the, as the, if you want to <laughs> pursue that, then, then, then Docker comes in first. Okay. Uh, there are some uh, people who say, well, Docker is just a technology. It's all about the microservices themselves. And mm-hmm. I agree with that, but still you want to understand Docker because it's so core to what, what's going on in the industry that, that 
you want to understand Docker, uh, you want to understand just, you want to know the Docker commands, uh, whether you run Docker or whether you run CoreOS or another platform, but any, everyone will use in the backend, they will use the Docker commands. Whether she will buy some pass infrastructure, that, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, indeed, you could go to this pass technology. So there's Mesosphere, there's OpenShift, there's uh, Docker Swarm, uh, Kubernetes, who work on top of the technology provided by Docker. And then I, I would look at those. Mm-hmm. That, 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 then, then you get a, and if you compare those, then, then you start to slowly understand what's going on. If you, if you just listen to the podcast or, or listen to uh, YouTube movies or to a meetup or to go to a conference, then you don't understand really what's going on. You want to understand, because the things are going so fast these days. It's, it, the, the, the speed is so much different uh, of, of the, of the previous, uh, era with Microsoft and VMware and Cisco that, that, what I tell today is 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 in a half year it it's all uh nobody knows remembers Mesosphere maybe or whatever happened. Uh and um uh, so I, I would set up these things, uh, try them and, and understand how they how they fit together or how they don't fit together and what which one is best at 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 at, at, at the technology to to use uh, Docker and, 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 and support that. And then well then there is the big the big uh, AWS. Okay. Uh they they host they have 10 times more machines than the the sum of all their competitors including Azure. Uh so they they are the biggest. Um so I would at least take a look at their technologies. Uh, maybe they, they, they have so many, and they're 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 going so super super rap, uh, rapidly that at least you would have to get some a grasp of what what's going on there. But but you could also look at smaller technology uh, smaller companies like Joyin. I I have uh, a week week for them. I don't know why. Maybe it's this uh, crazy Brian Cantrell uh, when he talks. Uh, I uh, he's it's. And, and and something I would also recommend is do not start with the legacy com, uh, com, uh, companies. Do not start with okay, I want to do Docker, and then how does it work on on uh, on Microsoft Azure or on a Microsoft server, or how does it run within VMware? VMware does great things with 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 containers. I I really think they're doing a, a good job, uh, but. Don't start there because their main objective, of course, is to keep you on board and, and keep you in the uh, legacy enterprise uh, environment as long as possible and, and, and try to make money there. And the rest of the world just, just continues. I, uh, here in Amsterdam, in, in my, uh, when I go to the meetups, there's nobody, really nobody, who, who, who talks about Microsoft, who, to, who talks about VMware. They're just dead. They, they, they don't exist in their minds. It's all about AWS and 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 their competitors from that perspective. So, if if you try to go the slow route, then you miss you miss a lot of things. Does gotcha. that? Yeah, does no, that, that answer is, your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, just to kind of recap for the listeners, it sounds like um, you know Docker is definitely a key piece, and and because Docker is is primarily Linux today and will be for you know a while anyway, um, then you, you certainly have to have a good mastery of, of the Linux operating system underneath. Um, on, on top of that, we're talking about technologies like uh, Docker Swarm, which will eventually be folded into Docker, uh, Kubernetes, uh, OpenShift, other other uh, PaaS uh, technologies that may or may not expose the Docker constructs. Um, and then certainly uh, taking a look at uh, some of the services that you can uh, consume via AWS. Uh, sounds like those are kind of the key things that you really identified in in your transition. Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and then from there on, I, there are some things I also would recommend to learn. Uh, one okay. of them is Ansible. All right. Uh, there, there's there's uh, alternatives like Chef, Puppet, and SaltStack. But as I understand, what I when I when I talk with people uh, people who worked with Chef for many years or Puppet, I don't remember. One of them said, "Okay, oh no, Salt must be the same as as uh, as the knowledge I have. So why do I have to switch to Ansible?" And then they worked with Ansible for half a year, and they they love it. Uh, so I think Ansible is the way to go now. Particularly now, it, it was acquired by uh, Red Hat uh, right. a couple of months ago. And then there's the database technologies. Is it okay if I just Skip on, uh, uh, tell something about those. Yeah, of it's, course, absolutely. Uh, there, there is 
Well, we all know the term NoSQL. So besides the uh, Oracle and uh, Microsoft SQL Server, uh, there is an open source variant that's uh, Progress SQL. Uh, I haven't looked into that, but that's sort of the uh, open source variant. And But then there is other technologies like uh, Cassandra and uh, Neo4j, a graph database. And I would highly recommend to, at least to uh, take a look at those. Uh, I went to uh, Neo4j a conference in uh, London last spring. Uh, I attended a few sessions, worked with the technology, understand a little bit of it. At least so you... Uh, Understand why, why different and where you can use, where you can use this uh, this new SQL uh, these new database technologies in, inside the uh, inside the new cloud stack. Then, really important, the basis of what what enables this whole transition that's Git. I think ah, you should yes. really really learn Git. Uh, there's a good uh, open source book. It's on the Git uh, website. I forget the name. Anyway, you, you can just download it uh, as a PDF, and uh, it takes you through all the steps. Uh, of course, there's good videos online also explaining more in-depth technology if you don't want to go through everything. So I think Git, Git is sort of uh, at the basis of anything you want to learn. And then, last but not least, then there's the networking. And networking is a little different from the previous, uh, from compute and uh, uh, storage in that sense that networking hasn't, in my opinion, hasn't really crystallized out completely. Uh, VMware did, uh, does great things with VXLAN and their uh, NYSERA acquisition. Um, and now in the, in the uh, Linux kernel, VXLAN is supported. But for example, it's still IPv4 mostly. And eventually, we will end up with IPv6. At least that's that's my guess. Uh, uh, the the horrible things that that uh, AWS does in their data center, they have a slash zero uh, IPv4 uh, network in each of the data centers, and then net that's out nets that out to the into the world. That, that that's uh, horrendous. You, you don't want to go that route eventually. So, but but how that will end up, I'm I don't know, but. It would be really interesting to understand better what's going on, and maybe it will take a year to settle down. But uh, there will be uh, some some medical changes of how we how we work. Okay, so um, this uh, this is a fantastic list, um, and I appreciate you sharing that part. You know, aside from the stuff we talked about earlier, you know, Linux, Docker, PaaS, all that kind of stuff, it sounds like also people should be taking a look at open source databases, maybe MySQL, Postgres. Uh, progress, um, and especially no SQL stuff. Uh, so Cassandra, Neo4j, um, perhaps something like Redis and, and, and others. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. 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 I haven't okay. looked at Redis myself, but I, I guess it's, uh, it's, it's good. Yes. Okay. All right. And then, um, Git is a, is a key piece of it. I think the, the book you're probably thinking about, if it's the same one I'm thinking about is, uh, probably pro Git. Um, I think that's the one they distribute for free off the, uh, off the Git website. We'll include that in Correct. the show notes for, for you listeners yeah. out there. Um, and then networking. Um, and, and I agree that networking certainly has, is undergoing a lot of, a lot of change. I think, uh, you'll see some, some dramatic things occurring there between adding APIs to, to devices and, and, you know, building automation tools. Oh, we forgot you mentioned Ansible as well. So I'm a big fan of Ansible also. And I would agree, recommend uh, that to other people. So, uh, um, let's transition just a bit. This is a, a really big shift that you've made. Um, Going from Microsoft centric stack to a heavily open source centric stack, you've mentioned along the way a few of the books um, that you found useful, and you mentioned that um, you found local meetups there in Amsterdam to be extraordinarily helpful as well. I was wondering if you could take a couple of minutes and kind of share with the listeners if there were any other sort of tools or uh, tips or tricks, um, you know, resources maybe that you found helpful. In, in making that transition? Um, was there, you know, a certain order to the technologies that you found it made more sense or uh, something of that nature? Anything that might help someone else who is, 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 is listening to this and saying, hey, I'd like to follow along in Bart's footsteps. I think this sounds like a good thing to do. Um, and they, and, and you, and you want to help equip them to, to make that sort of journey uh, based on your own experience. Yeah. Difficult, difficult, difficult question. Um, <laughs> 
because it's so broad and it depends right. on, on, on maybe what your employer wants to do or how much time you have or maybe the friends you have or the people you meet, uh, the ability to have, uh, to attend certain conferences or, or meetups. Um, let, let well, me just, let me just re- rephrase the question in the sense that what, what I think you, you would definitely have to do to make this transition. There's, there's two things. You must, in my, well, in my humble opinion, you must do. First of all, get yourself an Apple laptop. Okay. Whether it's a new one uh, costing two, three thousand euro, an MacBook Pro, or an old one like like I bought last week for a friend of mine uh, living in uh, in Bosnia. Uh, we bought a laptop for him here in Amsterdam for three hundred euros. It had an SSD. It had a, a PATA, really a PATA disk, still in there, and uh, uh, using Fusion uh, I/O, it 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 was fine. He couldn't do uh, big compiles, but still. And then, because the Mac is sort of ubiquitous everywhere, everyone uses Macs. Some people uh, use uh, Linux on their laptops, uh, and I see uh, here at the meetups and and uh, all the conferences I attend. Nobody uses the Windows laptops uh, anymore. I, I don't know what what your feeling is about that. Well, I actually agree. I think that if you're if you're making actually one of the reasons I switched to to OS ten, uh, a Mac, and I actually switched. Uh, let's see, it's been twelve years now. I switched in two thousand three, well before the Intel uh, migration. So I was still uh, I was running OS ten when they were still on PowerPC CPUs. Oh, but I okay. but I switched because. Um, I felt that there was a lot of continuity between OS 10, which of course is itself Unix based, right? And also Linux, which is a Unix uh, derivative. And therefore having that sort of, of, of symmetry, if you will, between what I was working on day to day, same sort of command lines, same sort of technologies. Um, and, and then what I was, what I was transitioning to at the time was, was heavily Linux based. Um, then it kind of made a lot of sense for me. And it sounds like maybe that, that is, 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 is true for you as yep. well. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And then and the second thing I can highly recommend is take a subscription to Safari Books Online. Mm. That's a, a service from O'Reilly and they offer some 22,000 uh, books and they offer all the videos of all their conferences uh, online. You can even download them onto your uh, onto an iPad or uh uh, iPhone or Android device and uh, watch them uh, offline and I think it's phenomenal what you get there every time you go I, I go somewhere someone recommends a book and two seconds later or no, 30 seconds later I have the book uh, downloaded and, and someone can point me out oh, this chapter is really good and that chapter is good you should read this um, so it, it, it's not it's not cheap. It's uh, four hundred euros, uh, four hundred dollars uh, per year. Uh, the first year you, on uh, I think sometimes they have these uh, discounts. You get your first year two hundred dollars. I, I wouldn't know what to do. I have got a full bookshelf here with all the books of Microsoft. You probably have them also. Uh, <laughs> yes, all I the do. old resource kits and uh, whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm gonna dump them one of these days, and then I have just empty shelves, and there's only my uh, my electronic device with all the books on Safari Books Online. And if a book is not in the library, and O'Reilly has or Safari has a, a uh, contract with this distributor, they they will put the book within 24 hours, at least uh, what I experienced. It will be in the in the, in the uh, library also, so you can request that, and they're really helpful. Awesome. Okay. So, so to kind of summarize some of the recommendations you've made, you've made so far, um, one, uh, you know, get a Mac, um, and, and, and primarily for the reason it is that it'll, it'll feel very comfortable to you as you start working with Linux, because these two are, are similar. Um, subscribe to, uh, Safari books online. Um, I use Safari books online as well. Um, great, great, great resource. Um, I don't use it as much as I should. And it sounds like based on your recommendation, I should use it even more than I am. Um, <laughs> but um, also, uh, you know, leverage meetup groups in your area. And, um, and uh, seemed like there was one other thing that you mentioned as well. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to try well, and recap well, that. Then after you attend yeah. a meetup group or attend a conference, uh, give yourself a call to action. I think that, oh, that, that can yeah. help you. So the, the, someone explains some technologies and you like it. Maybe you were able to record it with your whatever or you just take notes and then come home and try to sit a few days and do the thing they explain you. Go to their website, try, try it and, and see how it works. So then you also, you, uh, well, you, 
and, and that, that's something else I, I'd like to uh, really uh, uh, stress, and that is learning. This is a learning experience. So if you if you don't know how to learn, then uh, you're lost. So mm, and, yeah. and, the, the, and the brain is all about uh, you remember things when you repeat them, mm-hmm. and if you don't repeat them, you forget them. So then it because you just attended the meetup and you got some pizza and beer and but the rest you forgot, and that's of course not the way. Well, maybe some people attend that for that reason, but uh, <laughs> that's not the reason I am attending them. Right, of course. <laughs> then I'd rather do something else. Uh, so uh, first of all, look at your learning practices and and within a couple of hours reread some 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 of the things you learned, uh, your notes. Or a book or a chapter, you will notice it. It, it, it takes some time to get get into the habit, but uh, it is really worth it. Take notes on, on the books uh, using the Safari Books Online uh, uh, noting technology, and then go through it the, the next morning, not later than the next morning. And you will maybe take away a few notes and and add a few others, and then uh, do, do that at the end of the second day again. And it goes faster and faster, but then you really learn and understand the new technology and that if you don't do that then then this will be a, a very difficult uh voyage for you i think right right you know, that's a that's a fantastic uh point that you make bart is that this is a this is a learning process and so every individual who wants to to go down this 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 path of walking you know the journey to becoming a full stack engineer which i think is kind of an ongoing thing it's not a uh it's not a a thing that you do and then you're done. I think this is going to be like a lifelong journey of, 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 of development and, and education and, and progress, right? But you have to look at, at what your learning style is, what works well for you when you're trying to learn something. And you do need to apply those things back to what you're doing. So taking notes. I loved the idea, by the way, that you mentioned earlier of actually recording the meetups or, or finding recordings of the meetups that you attended and then rewatching them again to reinforce what was mentioned at at the meetup i think that's a that's a great idea and uh and then also be being sure to take notes you know i find myself when i really want to dive into something i need to take the time to listen to it or read it or watch it or whatever it is that i'm you know whatever media it is that i'm using but also i need to sit there and take some notes um while i'm while i'm doing that to kind of capture the key ideas that jump out at me and then go back and review them again later as you pointed out that's uh, okay. essential, essential. Yeah, yeah. and particular because the world. Well, I came from, and you also came from. Is we were sort of, uh, yeah, everything went automatically. Microsoft and VMware and Cisco, they provide the courses. You could just, you know, you ask your boss to uh, to subscribe to a course, go to the uh, course location on Monday, sit through the the, and 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 if there's any questions, the teacher helps you out, and then a couple of weeks later, you uh, you you go through the exam, and that's it. And now this whole exercise of learning, there, there is an open source world. There are very few courses. That, that was a big change for me. That, that took me some time. I was really looking around. Where can I take a course and where can I take uh, exams? And, and that, that's something doesn't exist that much. Uh, there are a few of them here and there. Some of them make business out of this. Uh, Red Hat still does, uh, does some. And that, that's something I can really recommend. Uh, if you go pursue some, some technology, I think the Red Hat certification would be something you, you, could, you could, uh, could do. But on the other hand, all the other things like Ansible, well, maybe Ansible now it's bought by Red Hat. They will have an Ansible uh, uh, exam also. But many other technologies, they go so fast. Uh, pff, you, you think uh, HashiCorp has any, any certifications? No way they have that. Uh, so you, you'll have to do it yourself. Yeah, and I think that's a really, really good point as well is that if you are – a lot of the listeners who are going to be listening to this podcast, I suspect, um, are going to be – Sort of, let's, let's say the, the corporate IT folks, you know, people who have worked in IT for a long time, much like you and I, they maybe spent their time working inside the IT department of a large, um, or semi-large, you know, um, organization. And they are accustomed to sort of these structured, um, learning paths where, you know, you, you get in and, and, and you and I can, you know, talk about the Microsoft piece. I mean, Microsoft has a very clear sort of structured learning path. You, you start out here, then you go on to this, then you go on to that, then you go on to this. And they've built this scaffolding all along the way with courses that are offered and, and all of this to make that, you know, moving people through that pipeline really, really easy. And I think that what I'm hearing you say is that 
when you move into the open source world and, and this mirrors some of my own, my own experience as well, when you move more into the open source world, there isn't that pipeline already built for you. You're kind of building the pipeline as you go. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Awesome. So and it, um, cha- it changes. It also changes so fast. That's that true. If if you would uh, if if you would create a course, I I, I talked to the guy who uh, here in Amsterdam, uh, their premier partner with Docker, and he's their their main t- trainer, and and he says, well, all the time I give this course, and and it's already outdated. And they still yeah, get this, this handout, this booklet, you know, big, you know, big, uh, A4, uh, I don't know how many pages, uh, 300 pages. And, and, uh, it, 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 because, well, for example, Docker 1.9, it's, it's a radical change. Everything changed. I don't know, understand why they didn't call it uh, 2.0 because it's, it's completely, uh, completely new. And, and, uh, yeah. So okay. training yeah. material. So that's that's one of the reasons, one of the things I'm doing, and and, and maybe uh, I can. I'm, I'm working with. Uh, I, I, I attended a, a two-hour, three-hour session at, at the Linux conference in Dublin a couple of months ago, and um, someone gave a, a very nice presentation on on Docker and some of the underlying networking technologies and storage, and um, I'm sort of working that with him. Uh, and enhancing his his courseware, and we put it on on GitHub, because then, as soon as a new version of Docker comes out, you you can just update the courseware. Right. So you 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 can't make it static because then the moment you make it static, it it's, it it gets old. Yeah. Uh, so and that's also the way how I'm learning. Um, so I'm to. That's how I was always learning. I, as a teacher, I, as a trainer, I, I, I learned the stuff and then I, I taught it to some other peoples. And um, now I'm doing the same, but do it in, uh, in the open source world. Right. So now, I, 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 I'm, yeah. yes? I, I was just curious. Um, w- would you say that, um, that uh, I'm trying to phrase my question here because you, you kind of pulled out something I think is really interesting, and that is that as you move into this sort of open source focused environment um, uh, where you are working all these different technologies. It almost seems as if the, the tools that you use to help you learn also change. Like perhaps before you may have used some other tool, um, you know, the courseware or whatever, but now it's a matter of, you know, now it's, it's being on GitHub. It's collaborating with others through repositories on GitHub um, yes. or, or other social media channels. It's, it's, it's sort of a different approach now than it was before. Completely agree. Completely agree. Okay. And, 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 and what I'm trying to do on GitHub is exactly the same thing what you're doing on your blog post. Because you also have, a, you, you write a blog post and then you refer to the GitHub account and say, okay, here, this, here you can try this or this technology or try this. Right. So, we we do exactly the same thing in a little bit different way, but uh, uh, I guess how, that's how you learn the new things. Also, <laughs> you just try it out <laughs> well, it and is. write a blog post on it. Yeah. It, it. Well, it is. Yes, absolutely. It's it's that's how I that's how I go through and kind of try to master some of the technologies and and do it myself and write these notes and then and then there's something maybe it's the trainer in us, the instructor in us from our from our days as Microsoft certified trainers, but. There's something in me that says, okay, now I have to turn around and I have to give this back out um, to everyone else, and that's what drives me to write the blog post. So yeah, yeah. There's um, there's one one thing uh, regarding courseware. There's one thing which I uh, which I notice is that in the the slide decks of of the people the, who give the presentations or on the blog posts of the the companies Docker and 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 the CoreOS whatever you name them, there is very few drawings. And we used to work with these corporate uh, coursewares where they have these people on board who then might make nice slide decks and make nice uh, drawings in the, in the courseware. And it, it makes learning so much easier. So that's one thing uh, where we, with our background from the, uh, from the, from the legacy world, we, we can uh, add some value, I think, into the open source world. I, w- I would agree. It seems like diagrams are, are, are kind of a second thought. So that's why I, I like to try and incorporate them whenever I can. And it sounds like you, you feel the same way. Yeah. 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 Great. So that's, that's, that's really, really useful information, Bart. Thank you uh, for, for sharing all that. So kind of 
I know if I understand correctly, you kind of consider yourself kind of still on the journey. You wouldn't consider yourself like having arrived where you're headed yet. Would you say that's accurate no. or? Correct. Correct. I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, pursuing not not any uh, assignments, working for uh, directly for uh, customers. Um, so, but but eventually, of course, I will have to uh, I will have to uh, to you know get get back to the job, and and then probably my 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 work will be helping out customers transitioning their legacy uh, VMware, Cisco, Microsoft uh, environments into the new arena, and that will be mm-hmm. difficult. It, 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 this is, of course, it, we talk about technology here, but but for these companies, the CIOs, they, they for them, it it will be really difficult. So if you are in any way uh, living in the United States or in Europe and you have the ability to attend the next uh, DevOps Enterprise Summit, I would highly recommend it. I, I couldn't afford going there this year, uh, but uh, that that's where the companies come who went through the pain and 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 transitioned there because they feel the uh, they feel Amazon in their neck and, and they have to make the transition. Uh, here in Holland we have a bank uh, and they, they try to do it but they, they well, it, it takes a lot of time. I, I went to a presentation of someone of SAP and and before SAP, you know the big big SAP in, in Germany uh, and they he had someone in the board of directors and anytime he found some objections somewhere in the organization because it wasn't going according to the rules they had like for 20 years then he went up all the way into the uh, into the organization and then that person would come back down and say okay no 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 we will make an exception here so they had like 100 exceptions within bringing this out in SAP and you will this will happen in in all the organization all the enterprises which have certain rules that they that they will follow, and that will be difficult. So it's not only technology, but it's the politics. Uh, and some some companies will just go broke. It's just very simple if they don't follow the new uh, the new the new uh, IT uh, the cloud native technologies, then they will just won't be there in five or ten years. Uh, I don't know which ones will be there and which one won't be there, but uh, things are going really, really fast. So uh, first, get yourself uh, up into the uh, cloud-native technologies and then look at the uh, at the legacy uh, transition technology. That That's what I recommend. Uh, uh, that's great advice. Thank you so much. Kind of looking back on what you've done so far, and we're gonna we're gonna start winding up a little bit now, um, yeah. so the readers don't get too too bored with uh, with our with our discussion. Although I, I I've been fascinated by hearing your story. Um, so kind of looking back on it now, is there anything that you would have done differently? Like you know maybe you you didn't spend enough time on this or spent too much time on that. So if if somebody were were kind of saying, hey, I want to I want to make this journey towards becoming the full stack engineer. And I've, I've listened to Bart's story, um, you know, what out of, out of your own experience and your own, you know, kind of stepping in the, in the, in the mud hole yourself, what, what would you tell people to do differently if there was something you could do differently? Well, mm, and there may not be anything. That's okay. I, I think, I think the, the, the call to action to yourself, I think that's really important. Okay. Reinforce the new technologies, uh, whether it's Neo4j, completely new paradigm and databases, uh, Cassandra with its distributed databases. Try it, uh, break it, uh, try it again, and at least you then you grasp the ideas. It, it, it won't be only technology. It won't be only theory. So uh, I was I was curious, Bart. One thing you haven't mentioned so far, um, although you've been you've been talking about it, is is and you just mentioned it again, is to taking a look at these technologies, trying them yourself, breaking them, trying to put them back together again. I was curious, what did you use to provide these sort of environments? Were you using, um, you know, some sort of um, virtualization technology on your laptop? Were you leveraging cloud-based resources out of AWS or? Well. I haven't used AWS much, but that that will that will change. I have some servers uh, at my home. I even have a 10 gig switch with a few 10 gig ports on each of the uh, two or three uh, systems. So I I could make my little uh, my little enterprise, uh, and 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 build up uh, I don't know an OpenShift or a CloudStack or. Uh, uh, Something like that. So, sure. but but your mileage may vary, and if you if okay. you don't want to spend the resources, just use the uh, use technologies like AWS or Azure or, or whatever. Okay, but you definitely would say that having some sort of something at hand, whether it be you know just 
like worst case scenario, it's virtual box on your laptop, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah, or, or whether it be some servers or whatever. Yeah, just run uh, on your laptop with uh, uh, Vagrant and, 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 and deploy those things on your local machine. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it sounds like certainly, you know, one of the things that folks need to think about is, um, you know, in addition to identifying sort of the technologies that they want to pursue, and, and you've laid out a number of them here, um, and then also identifying the the particular activities that will work well for their learning styles, whether it be watching videos or listening to audio recordings or reading books or some combination of those. There also has to be a hands-on component. And in order to really do that hands-on component, you need some resources. You need a home lab or you need to leverage some cloud-based resources or worst case scenario, you need to run some VMs on, on a laptop or a desktop, whatever you've got that will allow you to really get your fingers in there and play with it and break it and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Correct, correct. I, I couldn't agree more. All right, cool, cool, cool. So, so one last question, just just if I may, and then and then we'll wrap up. Um, you know, I, I think you've got a a really keen sense of of where um, you see the industry to be going. So, and and you've laid out for for the listeners some of the technologies that you've identified and you've been working with uh, Linux and Docker and you know uh, orchestration tools like Swarm and Kubernetes and PaaS's like um, OpenShift and and others. Um, I'm curious, like. What's sort of the next thing that you would um, that you plan to tackle yourself, or that you might advise others to say, "Hey, I kind of see something going on with this particular technology, and I think it's going to get big, and so I'm going to pay attention to it." I wonder if you might like, you know, put on your 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 uh, your fortune teller hat for a minute and and uh, tell <laughs> tell us what you think, and don't worry if if it turns out to be wrong, nobody will hold you accountable. <laughs> No, please don't. <laughs> that that will, that will be there. Uh, I I I don't. I I think the the combination of a pass platform like Mesos and our OpenShift uh, running uh, uh, containers. I think if you focus on that or or the uh, or the uh, equivalents on uh, public clouds, uh, AWS or Azure. Uh, I think that that will be the best thing if. Where things were heading for the near future. Gotcha. Okay. Right. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks so much for for your time, Bart. Um, if you want to just remind folks where they can find you uh, online, that would be great. And again, listeners, we will be sure to put these links in the uh, show notes for you. Yeah. So it's it's the YouTube channel, uh, the SmartBit, and uh, it's the GitHub account, SmartBit. All right. Right. Great. Uh, both on YouTube and on GitHub. Awesome. And uh, any, any closing thoughts, Bart, before we wrap up? Any last uh, things? Uh, you know, what sort of calls to action might you issue uh, to the listeners? I'm, I'm now, I, now I have the answer to your previous question. I'm sorry for coming back to that. No, that's fine. Go where, ahead. Where I think uh, what I – last year I attended the, the uh, House Computer Club Conference, as I do every year in, uh, in Hamburg. And I was sitting at this uh, session the first day, and it was mind-blowing. It's about unikernels. Oh, okay. Uh, you've heard of those, Mirage OS. What they do is instead of having uh, user space and kernel space, they you sort of link the kernel, that part of the kernel what you need for your application. You link that directly into your application. So you don't have the transition back and forth between uh, the user space uh, and, and the kernel space. It's just one monolithic application and kernel in, in one. And then they run a camel on top of that. That's a functional programming language because it's much more directly related to the business you want to run, what you want to attend, what you want to accomplish. And uh, it's not more uh, like procedural uh, languages as we used to learn. Those are more uh, well related to computers, how computers work internally, which is of course not what we what we want to. Uh, so IT is sort of still in their infancy compared to a lot of other engineering. Uh, 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 how would you call the other engineering practices? Mm -hmm. So I think Mirage OS and and uh, equivalent uh, 
uh, technologies, they, they, they will be, they, they can be the future. Uh, think of this, where, where you, you go to a DNS server and you request a certain service. And then bef- the, when the DNS server answers your question, it also pings the, uh, the, uh, uh, a, a service to start, a Mirage OS uh, service to start within a few milliseconds, like 20 or, or 50 milliseconds. And by the time your package arrives at that service, that service is running and ready for you to serve you. Mm, yeah. that, that's something so mind-blowing different and there's and they're very safe because if you have only a, net, a network server like a web server that there is no you don't need a firewall because mm-hmm. there is no service running doing file services or whatever services Th- those are not on the operating system you, you cannot attack a port of a service which is not there right so th- that's i think uh, something uh, about the future i i think that that could, could be could be going really fast all right, so unikernels then are the things that that uh, readers should kind of uh, watch and, and take a look at because that's going to be uh, a big thing coming up. Yeah, I think so. Yes. I, oh. Well, I, well, I, I really, I really was impressed by what's going on. Let's put it that way. Well, you're not the first person to have mentioned unikernels to me, so I, uh, I certainly see that a lot of attention being going there. Um, I think there are some some operational challenges, but that's a, a different discussion for a different show on a different day. Um, as we are approaching the end of our time here. Um, so thanks for that, Bart. That was awesome. Uh, great information, great, practical, useful, um, sort of suggestions and, and takeaways for the listeners. Um, we're going to capture all that in the show notes and we'll publish the show notes along at the same time as we publish the audio recording of the podcast. Um, before we go, uh, you know, any, any final, um, you know, sort of, um, calls to action for listeners out there that you might want to share? Uh, make, make the change. Go it do it. It won't be easy. It, it, it won't be easy, but if you don't, uh, well, maybe you will have a job for a few more years, but, uh, if you don't, if you don't start coding and, and, and coding your infrastructure, then, uh, there won't be much of a, you will be the IBM guy in the, in the, in the company who will run the IBM mainframe or the Fox VMS. There's still a few of those. Gotcha. So. All right. So our call to action today then is get started. Go out there and get started. Um, uh, it, it may be a long journey. Um, uh, it sounds like Bart is, has been on a bit of a journey his, himself, but you'll never get to the uh, anywhere along that journey if you don't get started. So great. Well, thanks again, Bart, for your time. It's been awesome talking to you. Really appreciate your time sharing your journey um, towards becoming a, a cloud-native full-stack engineer. I think the listeners will find this information useful. Uh, listeners, once again, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Scott Lowe. This has been the Full Stack uh, Journey podcast, and uh, we uh, are so thankful that you took the time to listen. Uh, we'll have the show notes and the podcast published uh, here soon. Um, you'll be able to find those online, and uh, we look forward to talking with you guys again soon. In the meantime, if you need to find me online, you can find me on Twitter as Scott underscore Lowe. You can find me on GitHub as uh, Low Scott, uh, or you can visit my website at blog.scottlow.org. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you again soon.